day, everybody. This is Parents B. Eichler, a.k.a. The Reb. Thanks for joining me. The Reb with the cause, and the cause is you. A rebel against a society without meaning, value, and purpose. That stands for MVP. Not the most valuable player, but the meaning, value, and purpose that we all want to have in our lives. And this is uh, Straight Talk America and Grow for Greatness with yours truly, Parrots B.E. Licensed by the State of Awareness to Live Life to its fullest. Now, when you talk about growth, so you're talking about making forward progress where our attitude determines our altitude. That's not just a cliche. It means the way we look at things will determine just how far and high we can go in achievement with Hashem's help. And as a matter of fact, if you want to see something that helps us understand that with a clarity with lucidity, not only that, but gain a greater understanding of it, all you have to do is look in the portion Achrei Mos, which says that Es Mishpate Ta'asu Ve'es Hukosai Tishmaru. My ordinances you shall do, and my statutes you shall observe to walk with them. And then it says, Ani Hashem Elokechem. So, Rabbi Pliskin, who in my estimation is one of, one of the quintessential mentors in terms of personal growth. There are a lot of personal growth gurus out there, but I think amongst the top of them, and in terms of really practical, down-to-earth, but lofty, nonetheless, ways for us to achieve real greatness, I mean, to get out of the, the mode of mediocrity and to really excel to live happy and fulfilled lives, because that's what everybody wants, right? Who wants to just, just keep plodding along, going, yeah, yeah, just another day. No, you want to feel great. And our objective is to, is to grow for greatness. And that's part of what we do here on Straight Talk America and Grow for Greatness. So he brings out a Ksav Sofer who says on these words to walk with them, that a person needs to walk from one level to the next level. And that is each and every one of us every man, every woman, every child, no matter what your age, should constantly keep on growing and keep elevating themselves. It's an ongoing process. So it's not enough really to just to keep the same level that you were on the previous day. Why not? I'm happy the way I was. I was there yesterday. It's good enough for today. No. Really, each day, we've got to keep moving. You should climb higher than the day before. Don't be satisfied to be where you were the day before. Now, I'm not talking about because you had a Chevy yesterday, you want to get a Lexus tomorrow. We're not talking about that. Because with Gashmias, there's no end, and also there's no purpose to it, because it doesn't last, it doesn't endure, and it's not what we're here for. When difficult tests come a person's way, well, you might not appreciate it. Oh, why did, why did I have to go through that? Why did Hashem put me through that? But the truth is that it raises you. That's what a nace is. It's a banner. And the soyan is. And the soyan is a, is, is a banner. It's something which raises a person. Hashem knew, let's for example, that Avram Avinu, he knew what he was going to do, so it wasn't for Hashem's benefit, it was for Avram Avinu's benefit to go through those tests. Just like every challenge that we go through is for our benefit. And the only way to keep on growing and keep on going, as a matter of fact, on elevating ourselves, is to keep passing more and more difficult life tests. Now, uh, most people really don't like to go through a test, right? I mean, I know somebody... When he used to study for a blood test. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Nobody likes to have a test. Oh, a math test, a math quiz, you know, when you were in school, or 
they give you a test at work to see how you're doing. Nobody likes to be tested. But you know what? We're tested all the time by spouses, by relatives, by kids, by employers, by employees, by people we meet on the street riding down a, a highway with a guy who's blocking you in front of you, doesn't drive the way you'd like him to drive. Every, every moment we're confronted with tests. But the idea is, at the end of each day, we've got to ask ourselves, what did I do today to elevate myself a little bit higher? Now, maybe you don't like talking to yourself, but self-talk is really the best type of talk. When you say to yourself, what did I do today to make myself a little bit higher and further ahead that I can grow into the great person that I can be? Now, if you can't find an answer, say, ask yourself, well, what can I plan to do tomorrow to elevate myself? I think it's something if you write down in a notebook and you say, okay, I'm going to think about what I did today. What did I do to make myself a little bit better to help somebody maybe be a little bit better, to just make an improvement in myself. Home improvement starts with, you know, the home that you call yourself. And one of the ways to do this, in my humble opinion, is that when we do maizim toivim, when we do good deeds, and we do it with a, a real energy and a real enthusiasm, that will help. Just don't do things in a blasé type of way. Don't do things in a way that's just, a, uh, a minimum daily requirement, as it were, as though you had to do it, as though it's some type of obligation that makes you feel, uh, okay, you know, I fulfilled it. No, do it with tremendous energy and tremendous enthusiasm. If you do that, then you'll be motivated. That really is what causes the motivation. And again, if you look in, um, in Akremos, right here, right where we are now, I mean, it's telling you, Telling me, Shemarta Meshukosai, that's Mishpotai, Mishpotai, Asher Yase Asem, Adam, the Chaibehem, and the Hashem. You shall keep my statutes and my ordinances, which a man shall do and live by them, and then it says, I am the Almighty. Now, check this out. On the words and live by them, the Shalah comments, when you do my symptom, when you do good deeds, they should be done with life really with a sense of what the French call joie de vivre, a joy of life, that is, with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Now, when you do these mice and toys and the good deeds with enthusiasm, then your whole being is going to become alive. You're going to feel energized. Now, there's no comparison between doing a, a good deed with a feeling of being, well, I have to do it. All right, okay, I'll go to the store for you. All right, I'll take out the garbage. Okay, I'll drive this person there. Well, why do it in that for schlepped away? That, that's really just doing the opposite of what's going to elevate you. But if you do it with a sense of joy and excitement, okay, sure, I'll take out the garbage. Well, you're not excited about taking out the garbage? But imagine if you felt you were getting a million dollars every time you did that. Well, you're getting a lot more than a million dollars in your eternal bank account. Now, the life of a person who constantly does good deeds with joy, that, that person is filling their lives with pleasure and elevation. And I'm talking about realistically. Not only do you gain very much for yourself, but you're also going to motivate others. People will see that joie de vivre, the simcha sechayim. And when others see how much enjoyment you have from doing good deeds, they too are going to be motivated to follow in your footsteps. And their positive behavior will be a merit for you. And if you want to experience enthusiasm, but you're, you're, not, you're not doing it yet, look in the Masil Sisharim. 
tell me where this is in Basile Tisharim, and I will get you a um, a free Coke and two slices of pizza at your favorite local kosher pizza store. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's around the corner, around the globe, in our J Root audience, you could be in the five boroughs, or you could be in uh, the 50 continental United States, around the globe. I'll find out. You let me know where there's a kosher pizza store, and I will get you two slices of pizza and a Coke, Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, whatever you like of your choice, if you can tell me which chapter in Masilis Yasharim this is. Our number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and you can reach me at iClearMedia at gmail.com. Now, in Masilis Yasharim, and you can tell me which chapter this appears in, it advises us to act as if you were enthusiastic, and your outer behavior will influence your inner feelings. As if you were enthusiastic, a Kaddish Baruch Hu can testify that my biggest pleasure in life is praying, davening with enthusiasm, said the Kajnitzer Magid. This pleasure is my reward for the few good deeds that I've done. The geschmack that he had in davening, he felt was a reward for his Maisim Tevim. And you can feel it. If you infuse yourself with enthusiasm, you will have that. Now, where is, the, where is this in which chapter? And can you tell me an example of when you did something that you didn't particularly want to, to that want to do, and you did it in a way that you you made yourself exhilarated and excited about it, and it turned out to give you an even greater boost, or how you would like to implement it? Give me an example of what you think you're going to do today, that you're going to do that is going to be a little bit different than you did yesterday with enthusiasm, whether it's um, making supper for the family, whether it's coming home and greeting your your, your spouse with a smile on your face, whether it's uh, being nicer to your kids or being nicer to your mom and dad. Everybody's going to see this and gonna f- is going to feel much better for it. Now tell me what you're going to do to implement it, or you have, how you have implemented it. And if you can tell me which chapter, Mr. Sharm, we learn this bit of advice, that if you act as if you were enthusiastic and uh, you're out of behavior, will influence your inner feelings. Call me at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. This is Paris B, a.k.a. The Reb. The Reb with the cause, and the cause is you. would love to hear from you, and we are moving green light straight ahead. And uh, our talk lines and listen lines are open. We'll tell you how you can access more of what we're doing. Also, by the way, we're about ready to release our audio version of All for the Boss for Kids. I'll tell you how you can get a copy of yours by reaching me at Eichler Media, E-I-C-H-L-E-R Media, at gmail.com. Reminding you that you're listening to J-Root, and we've got great programming for you all day long. Around the corner, around the globe, you can access us for great Torah programming, whether it's music or Ashkafa or Shirim or programs like this. Tune in to J-Root, the station that listens to you. And we are listening to you, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I'll give you a great story that I heard when I was a kid about how uh, the outside affects the inside. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but first I'd like to uh, say hello. Hi, how are you? Welcome on board. This is Perrin B, the Red. What's doing? Hi, you're on. Hello. Okay. Hi, this is Perrin B. We had a listener who was calling in. Fine. Let me tell you the story, and uh, if uh, you us, you can reach us at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Hi, this is Parents B. You're on the air. Yeah, I think it's in Paragalus, is it? You, 
very close, but not quite there. What does it say in Paragolf? Um, I have to find my tears. He's showing me. Okay, let me look it back up. I'm going to look it up. Right, I, I, I think it's it Paragolf. Hold on, I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. You ready? Yeah. It's between chapters 6 and 8. 6 and 8. Okay, so then I have to look it up. Between I thought it was Okay, I'll call you back. Like if I told you, pick a number between 3 and 5. I think that's a pretty good hint, no? Okay. Parrot V, a.k.a. The Red With You. So in Masil Tisharam, it does tell us advice on how to act if you, as if you were enthusiastic and your behavior will influence your inner feelings. Well, at any rate, there were two bank robbers in France. One of them was very sharp, though I don't know how bright he was if he was going to the business of bank robbing, obviously not, not too bright to realize that crime doesn't pay, not to mention being an Avera. At any rate, his cohort was particularly not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, as it were. And the smarter of the two said, listen, you dress like a police officer, like a gendarme, and you stand outside, and um, everybody will think that you're protecting the bank, and then I'll take the money, I'll come outside, and we'll make our getaway. Well, this fellow gets this great-looking gendarme um, uniform, and he's outside while his friend is going inside robbing the bank. While the robbery is... In, uh, is happening. So there's a traffic jam, and somebody says, Oh, Monsieur Gendarme, please, you must help with the traffic. So right away, he stops traffic and helps a little old lady across the street. She says, Oh, thank you, officer. Thank you so much. It was so very kind of you. He says, Oh, it is nothing. It is my pleasure. It is my job. And then, all of a sudden, they see that there's a um, an accident that happens across the street. Oh, what is happening to my car? Oh, who did this? Who did that? Get out, get out, go on, boom. He comes over, he says, calm down a minute. Let me see your license and registration. All right, let me report this. Yes, move your vehicle over here. And he really starts acting like a police officer. He's really getting into the role. All of a sudden, somebody says, there's a robbery, there's a bank robbery, quick, there's the bandit, quick, quick. And he runs and he sees his friend. And he grabs his friend and says, you are under arrest for robbing a bank. He says, what are you doing? I'm your friend. Get, get in the getaway car. What are you doing? And everybody says, yay, officer, thank you so much. And he arrests them, and the rest of the police come. They take the guy away, and he's made a hero. They give him a hero's welcome and a medal. What happened? What happened? It's a little bit absurd, right? But the point was, because he behaved in a certain type of way, it affected his inner behavior. Now, that's an abs- kind of, you know, to the out absurdum to the extreme, but the truth is, did you ever notice, somebody was telling me the other day, um, in Davening, you ever notice how when you dress a certain way, you feel a certain way? There were times I would come to, let's say, chakras, we, you know, we daven a very early minion usually, in Yer Tzashem, and um, sometimes on a chilly morning, I would just throw on a sweatshirt and, uh, and a jacket and, and go to davening like that. Then that day, at the end of the day, I was doing an interview somewhere, and I was dressed with a, a suit and a tie. And this Gabrus of mine happened to be just in, in the store where I was doing it. He said, what are you all dressed up for? And I said, well, you know, I'm doing an interview. I have to be on, on camera. And he said, without skipping a beat, he said, and no, what about davening when you're standing before a Kaddish Baruch Whoa! He said, I hope you don't mind me telling you. I said, are you kidding? What are Gabrus is for? So you can be sure the next morning I wore... No, I didn't. <laughs> that's right, Padovka. That's right. I went and wore a sweatshirt with a hood. No, I wore a a nice jacket with a good shirt and a tie. 
And you know something? My do- my dominant felt entirely different. I felt as though I was standing before a Kaddish Baruch before the presence of, of the Melech. It makes a difference. How you act on the outside will affect your inside. And the Mesilis Yisharim says that. And you're going to get back to me, right, on which chapter it is. I can't give you more of a hint than this. It's between, cha- <laughs> it's between chapter 6 and 8. Hi, how are you? You're on with the Reb. How are you? Hi, how are you? You're on the air. You're on, the air. on J-Root. The presence of, of the Bella. It makes it Hello? How you act on the outside will affect your inside. Hi, how are you? You're on with Parrots Bay. Can I help you? Hello there. Okay. Uh, Ron, I don't have the person on the air, so we'll just tell you where it is. I'll, I'll give you one more chance. It is between Chapter 6 and 8. You just got to find it. Where is the advice given by Masilat Susharam that uh, if you will act as if you are enthused, your outer behavior will influence your your feelings? You won't find the story about the French gendarme, but you will find the very powerful words of the Masilat Susharam. This is Parents B, aka the Reb, licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullest, and uh, that means you and I and everybody else have the ability to live lives that are satisfying and happy. Why should you wake up in the, in the doldrums? If you look inside yourself with introspection, which I guess is what looking inside yourself means, right, to gain self-knowledge, you'll strengthen areas that need to be strengthened. Now, this is something my good friend Mordecai Weinberger talks about in his uh, new book, Alive, which I suggest everybody go out and get. And just knowing him, I'm sure you're going to benefit from it. Now, where would you see in this week's Parsha, um, in Kedoshim, as a matter of fact, that introspection will help you gain a self-knowledge to strengthen areas that need strengthening? It says, each person, his father and mother, he shall fear. Ish Where do we learn that introspection in gaining a better knowledge of ourselves will strengthen areas that need strengthening? Where, where would you see that? Well, just where I told you, right here. But where do you see it? Here, in this Pasuk in particular, Ish Imov Aviv Tiro. Where do we learn that self-knowledge will strengthen areas that need to be strengthened from each person fearing his father and mother? Interesting question. Yeah, hello? Yes, hello? Hello? How are you? Yes, hi. How are okay, you? I found it in, 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 in Perik Zion. Yeah, I found it. That's great. Can you tell us what it says? It says um, here, the Sirish Adam, um, you saw it, um, here, just as, um, here. However, um, on, um, the just as there is the reason is one person in the product of evil existing inner blaze and so they're told too much and inner blaze can be brought about by Jesus. It means that when someone energizes himself in his performance of a mitzvah, just as he quickens his outer movement, so do does inner movement. It's in Perik Zion. You got it. That's exactly right. Now, how do you feel about that, by the way? Do you think that, uh, have you seen that in your own life? Have you experienced anything where you did something uh, with an outer action that influenced your interaction, or um, can you contemplate anything that you might be doing in your daily life where that, that, that piece of advice would work? Hi. So can you think of a place in your life where using that piece of advice would be, would be meaningful? Okay, great. 
And if you let us know where we can reach you and address where we can Hello? Yes, how are you? Okay, good. So I could actually tell you. I, I, am I still on or is someone still get? I don't care to get the rise. Hello? So should I, yeah. So should I say what I want to say? Uh, that would be helpful. I know. Hello? Yes, of course. Um, we're, we're waiting for you. Oh, you are. Okay, great. So there's a running scene in Mosaic by Mosaic. It's called Hachitsonius, my rare is Hapinumius. And you fake it till you make it. And he's talking about clothing. So I'll just tell you that Beged is called clothing. By Yarak has up, as it says about uh, the brothers. And the clothing betrays you. You could act like a great person because you're wearing proper clothing. You could really act like a debased person because you're wearing such clothing. Beautifully said. That's right. In fact, I heard it from Rabbi Kiva Tatz that begodim actually means a kind of um, deception where it's, it, it's not what it appears to be, and that's exactly right. So you hit it right on the head. So if you will leave your um, contact number and address with the run, or you can send it to me at EICHLER Media at gmail.com, we will get you um, two slices of pizza. Tell us where your favorite pizza store is. And, uh, we might so what do I need to do? You just have to let us know at EICHLER Media at gmail.com. At the GBLU? Yeah, right, and just let us know where we can contact you so we can get you two slices of kosher pizza and a, uh, and a drink of your choice. Okay, great. And you're at Eichler.com? E-I-C-H-L-E-R, media at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, so now we learned that uh, it's in Eric Zion in Mesilis Yasharim. But now I'm asking another question, and that is, as follows. How do we know that if you have introspection, if you look inside yourself and gain a, a knowledge and an awareness of yourself, that's going to strengthen areas that need to be strengthened? So Rashi says that, because I'll say, right in this Pasuk about each person fearing his father and mother, that the Torah tells us that it states mother before father. Why do you think the Torah states that each person should fear his mother and father, but it puts mother first. What do you think? Why does the Torah, which chooses the words very, very carefully that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has written in his divine wisdom, why do you think, I'm not asking you to second-guess the Torah, but can you think of a reason, either that you might be able to, to put forth based on your own knowledge, or something that you've actually seen in one of the commentaries. Why do you think the Torah puts the mother before the father when it comes to fearing one's father and mother? And it has to do, it has to do the, with the way a child perceives the father and the mother. I will tell you that. Call us at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And I can tell you that the Torah is revealing to us the inner tendencies of people. And when you're aware of your inner tendencies, that is going to be a pivotal factor in having greater control over your behavior. So my question to you is, and you can call me at 718-683-5858, why do you think that in this passage in the Torah, where it says that each person, his mother and father shall he fear, why does it put the mother before the father in terms of who the child fears. 
You should fear both of them. But why does it put the mother or the father? Hi, you're on with Perids B. How are you? Okay, we're waiting for your answer. Why do you Hello? think it puts the mother before the father? Yes, hi, do you have an answer? Uh, yes, um, when it's a child and a mother's relationship is a relationship that is a much more comfortable relationship because they're with the mother more than with the father. So sometimes when you're in a comfortable relationship like that, you lose the fear and the awe because it's a every second relationship. Unlike the father, that you're not with them, you know, every second of the day. And so it says your mother first because we might lose sight of, you know, the respect that a mother deserves. That's a fascinating insight. Are, are you yourself a, a mom? Yes. Two, two boys. Great. You should have a lot of Yiddishanakas from them. If you'll uh, leave your contact information with Iran, or you can drop me a note at EITHLER Media at gmail.com. You'll be able to take your two little ones for a couple of slices of pizza and a drink. Uh, you let me know where you are. We'll find out whatever pizza store is closest to you, kosher pizza store, and we'll get you uh, two slices of pizza and a, and a drink on us at JRoot. How's that? Oh, wow, thank you. I just I didn't get the contact. Like, what do I do? I'm not understanding. Yeah, you just write your contact information at EICHLERmedia at gmail.com. Send it to me, or you can leave it with our, uh, with our producer, Iran, or both. That way we'll have it in both ways, okay? So it's EICHLERmedia at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, we'll find out, or you can let me know what social pizza store is to you. And we'll be happy so EICHLERmedia? I-C-H-L-E-R media at gmail.com. Okay? Or you can leave it with our producer, Iran. How do I leave it with your producer? Um, he's probably on the line when we're on the air. Or you could just, as I mentioned to you, email me at E-I-C-H-L-E-R media at gmail.com. Just your contact information and what do you think the store that's closest to you that you'd like us to arrange it for, and we'll, we'll keep you posted as soon as it's ready. Okay? How's that? Thanks for being a Jay, we're listening and listening to, uh, to the Reb. How are you finding the, the broadcasting? Are you enjoying it? Great. Okay. Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb with you, right here on the station that listens to you. Now, that was a very interesting insight, but it is not necessarily the answer that we're looking for, though it was a very good answer. When it comes to honoring one's father and mother in the Ten Commandments, which is in Parsons Yisroh, the Torah tells us to honor our father and our mother. As regards honor, the father is mentioned first since a child usually honors his mother more because of the gentle manner in which she speaks to him. But now here, the honor, the, the, the Torah is revealing to us the inner tendencies of people. The inner tendency of people. And an awareness of our inner tendencies is crucial in order to have a, um, a better understanding of our own behavior. So the reason really is, really, according to Rashi, that the reason it's stated the mother before the father is because a child usually fears his father more than his mother. That, that is something I think anybody can attest to, unless the mother is particularly domineering. And not that the father is domineering, but he is a father for a reason. He generally has a greater sense of... Um, 
what should I say? I don't want to say domineering. It, there's just a, a, a stronger presence, and this is not being, you know, uh, being an elitist. There's a, a stronger sense of, of, um, of, fa- of paternity by the father. He tends to see, I guess, even a physical prowess. There's more of a, a, a bearing that the father seems to do with the mother. I mean, look, face it, who's cuddling the little kid? Well, they it's not the father, right? So there's more of a sense of gentility with a mother than with a father. So the child will naturally fear the father more. And the Torah is telling us here that you have to fear your mother. So first, the reason it's doing that is so a child will know, yeah, just don't think it's your father that you have to fear. And then when it means fear, it doesn't mean standing in terror, but it does mean respect, and it does mean awe. Now, self-knowledge is a sine qua non. It's a prerequisite for a total fulfillment of our Torah obligations. That may be something that you didn't think about. But the truth is, we have to have a knowledge of ourself first in order to fulfill all the requirements of the Torah. And an awareness of our natural tendencies lets you know on what you have to put your emphasis. And that's where the Torah tells us that we have a very strong tendency to honor our mother and fear our father. There's a stronger tendency to honor one's mother and, and to fear our father, but the tendencies are, are not equal. Now, having this knowledge is going to allow us to work on increasing the honor for your father and reverence for your mother. When you have this introspection, you're going to gain a greater self-awareness of your natural tendencies. Now, we can make an effort to behave in a manner that will strengthen those areas that need strengthening. In other words... We all have those spiritual rookness muscles that have to be worked out. And the only way to do that is by exercising them. And the way to exercise them, exercising them is to look in. Look inward. Look to yourself. Now, another thing which I was thinking about, which manifests itself very clearly in, uh, in Kedoshim, which Rami Pliskin points out. Have you ever been in this type of situation? Somebody does something that you felt wronged you. I'll give you a good example. Now, everybody has in their own life something where you feel like somebody did something to you that it really shouldn't have done, an insensitivity. Uh, a friend of mine was contracted to do some work for a particular organization, and there was kind of an ongoing agreement that if he had done it for a certain price, that he would always have that assignment every year. Now, one year comes by, and they tell him that somebody else is up for it, up for, the, up, for the, up for this particular assignment. And they don't even consult him. It could have been somebody in the parent body or something, but all of a sudden, after having worked on this assignment for three years, they just go on up and decide to give it to somebody else. Now, he could give them the benefit of the doubt, and he could also feel tremendous resentment. But you know what? Instead of feeling resentment, he didn't waste time on that. He realized everything that Hashem does is for a reason. It could be that they were entirely wrong and didn't do the right thing by going to this other party instead of hiring him again, and it was a slight and offensive, and I wouldn't say that it was illegal, but maybe you know, a certain degree of uh, unethicalness to it. Or even if you could say it was ethical, it was in their right. It wasn't, an, it wasn't a nice thing to do. Okay, it wasn't a nice thing to do. But he could have wasted time feeling resentment. And each of us goes to that. Don't you feel sometimes that somebody was insensitive to you? 
and you feel a sense of resentment. How could they treat me like that after everything I did for them? I'm sure, you know, most of us have thought like that at some time. So if you look in Kedoshim, it says an amazing, an amazing thing. Don't leave the wages of your employee with you overnight until the morning, and you should not curse the deaf. What, what's going on here? Look at this Pasuk again, that you shouldn't leave. It's a mitzvah. It's a commandment. Don't leave the wages of your employee with you overnight until the morning. And then it says not to curse a deaf person. What is going on here? So the Torah puts these two mitzvahs together, one after the other, to teach us an amazing thing. Would you like to venture a guess as to what that is? Why do you think the Torah put these two directly next to each other? We know it's not by accident, right? If you have a Balaturim handy, you can look at this Pusset and take a look at it. It's a Vayikra Yutes. Take a look where it says that uh, it's Bartolin, right? Lotolin, uh, that is wages. You shouldn't, over, you shouldn't hold on to them until the morning, and you shouldn't curse the death. What in the world are these two psukim doing together? You can look in the Balaturim. It's in Vayikra. What do you think? You have an idea? All right, I'll tell you what. Ryan, let's take a little musical break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Call us at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. This is Parents Be Licensed by the State of Awareness to live life to its fullest. The Reb, the Reb with a cause, and the cause is you, a rebel against a life without meaning, value, and purpose. You are the MVP, which are the Russia Tavis of meaning, value, and purpose. Uh, in the world of athletics, it means the most valuable player. And you know what? You are the most valuable player in your life. Of course, everybody is precious to you and your family, but you are the one that can make the difference in turning things around because your attitude will affect your altitude, how far you can go, and that's why we are growing for greatness right here on Straight Talk America with Paris B, a.k.a. the red green light straight ahead. Stay with us. We'll be back. Oh, 
really nothing. You have vented, you have given off your feelings. What are you going to do? All you're going to do is lose out with your anger and resentment. You think about this. It's, of course, a lot easier to say than to do, but really just think about it for a minute. Because when you rank the other person out or spew words out that you know are going to be hurtful and said in anger, so really what you're doing is lowering yourself spiritually. And it, it really doesn't gain you nothing. It doesn't gain you anything. It's merely an outlet for your frustration. But it's a very, very negative outlet, not a healthy outlet at all. So let's think about this from a practical point of view. If somebody wrongs you and you have a practical means of helping yourself, okay, so then do what you can legally to protect yourself from loss. Right, nobody says that you have to suffer the loss. But don't needlessly focus on this person's negative behavior. They were wrong. But calling the person names and saying nasty things and brooding about it and indiscriminately telling others, you know what this person did? Why that? No good. It's not going to help you. So why waste your breath? Why waste your precious time with resentful thoughts? And why should you defile your, your speech with any kind of negative language used toward this person? I know this is a very difficult thing to do, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't tell you anything that I'm not personally working on myself. Fill your mind with elevating and really joyous thoughts and free yourself from negative thoughts about others. Think about what a great day it is. Think about the other things that Hashem will have in store for you. Think about how glad you can be that you controlled yourself. Take action to help yourself when you realize action is appropriate. But both before and afterwards, realize that you've got to use your time wisely. Is that a good use of my time to spend my time spinning my wheels by spewing forth angry words and you know, writing nasty notes. Abraham Lincoln used to write notes to people that had wronged him, and then he used to just put them away in his drawer and never send them. In other words, he vented, but he knew that it would be no purpose in wasting his time or breath on them, and he just wrote the letter and parked it in his drawer and eventually got rid of them. Someone once wrote a safer in which he attacked, of all people, Ramosha Feinstein's response in a very disrespectful and, I would say, even vulgar terms. And the typesetter printer called to ask Ramosha whether he should refuse to accept the job. And Ramosha urged him to do the assignment, explaining that both the author and the printer had to earn a livelihood. Presumably, the author felt that he had to curry favor with elements whose opinions he supported. As far as Ramosha Feinstein personally was concerned, he didn't have any right to stand in the, in the way. Can you imagine that? He didn't have any right to stand in the way. That's how humble he was. Of course, that didn't mean that the person who did it was right. Absolutely not. He was not right in doing it. Now, I'd like to get your opinion on that. You can reach me at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And um, you can be sure that when you act in an elevated way, it's going to, going to have a tremendous influence on people around you. Believe me, your kids will be influenced by you. You'll see that. Rashi cites the words of Rabbi Akiva that the, the Pasuk says, that it's a great principle in the Torah. And the Qasim Surfer explains that this means we are obligated to take time for our own Torah studies to teach others Torah, just like we're doing here now. You have to love your fellow human beings yourself. Just as you want to gain Torah wisdom for yourself, we should feel not just the desire, but the need to help others gain Torah wisdom. Our dear, beloved friend, David Winters, he certainly felt that way, and we should certainly follow in his footsteps along those lines. Ultimately, you'll never lose 
because you become more elevated by sharing your knowledge with others. That, according to the Torah's Moshe. Even if somebody's not a formal teacher, right? You don't have to have a degree in teaching or be a Rebbe or a Mora. There are many opportunities to share one's Torah knowledge with others. And if you look for those opportunities, like, you know, these Torah cards that Rabbi Wolf gives out in, in Lakewood, you'll have that opportunity, many opportunities. You can be sure of that. Now, let me leave you with this thought for today. And I'd like you to reach me and let me know how you feel about some of the stuff that we talked about today at eichlermedia at gmail.com, eichlermedia at gmail.com for your thoughts on what we talked about and, uh, and comments. But here's a case I'd like you to look at, and then the next time we talk, we'll get back to you. You'll get back to me on what you think, and you can win a prize for this as well. It's actually from the files of the basin of uh, Rabbi Max Sutton in the uh, basin Aram Soben Yushalayim Rakoidish. Here's the case, okay? You ready? I'm going to say it fast and then take notes, and you tell me how you would have judged this case. Bobby hired Stanley to work as the sales manager for his firm. Now, the job description included exploring and opening new accounts for the firm while directing the other salesmen to enhance the company's existing accounts. Now, as payment for services, Stanley was paid a salary and received a 3% commission on his sales. Okay, normal agreement, right? At first, after four months on the job, Bobby asked Stanley to sign a non-compete contract, which means that uh, it would restrict him from partaking in any facet of the industry if he decided to leave his position. So Stanley at first said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But when Bobby persisted, so he, he signed the agreement. Now, after a year of being on the job, Stanley had helped develop the company and anticipated growth in sales for the following season to be really substantially more. Now, feeling that Stanley was assuming too large a role in the company, Bobby decided to shrink Stanley's account list and reduce his commission rate to 2%. Stanley was offended by Bobby's actions. Remember, we talked about resentment, and the relationship between them went south. Within a few months, Stanley left Bobby's firm and began to work for the competition. Bobby took action, summoned Stanley to the base, then charging him with blatantly violating his non-compete contract and with attempting to interfere with programs with the company. And uh, that was interfering with their numerous retailers. Bobby said that his claim was good because accusing... Stanley is stealing vital information from the company, including a list of, of makers in the Far East, prices and artwork, etc. And Bobby claimed Stanley nearly learned the entire industry by working for his firm, and he simply had no right to transfer all the time and energy they invested in helping the competitor. Okay, here's what we're getting to. Stanley responded that he was treated unfairly, having worked very hard and effectively on behalf of Bobby's company, and then receiving nothing gornished in return. So he explained that in light of the way he was treated, he had every right to, to move on to a firm that appreciates his talents. How do you think the base then ruled? What do you think they should have done? In favor of Bobby or Stanley and why? Drop your note to me at eichlermedia at gmail.com, eichlermedia at gmail.com. Best answer is going to get a prize from us here in J-Root, and we'll decide that that'll be really something you'll enjoy, probably something edible, no doubt, or a CD that uh, I'm releasing that I think you'll enjoy as well. Reach me at eichlermedia at gmail.com. Mention that that was the case you heard on Lessons of the Law with me, Parrots B, a.k.a. The Reb. And I want to wish everybody a great day. Green light, straight ahead. Keep on smiling and keep on going. I want to wish you the very best in becoming the best that you can be. And thanks for listening to us here on JRoot for Straight Talk America. This is Parrots B. Eichler, growing for greatness. Remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. 
now. Go and learn.